0: Hi, I'm Scott And I'm Jason
1: Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle A podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist
0: Today we're going to be talking about the Seal song Don't Make Me Wait From his 2003 record Seal
2: Are we tired of feeling blue? Can I get along with you? Just don't tell me it's right. Every time we fuss and fight. You yeah, are what I'm really trying to say. Those of you who have
0: been following along with Skip Don Shuffle since since the beginning, uh, probably noticed that, you know, it 's pretty easy to tell who picks which which artist to cover and, and all that, and we, we kind of emphasize how much we love an artist together or whatever. Uh, this one is all me I am I am the seal <laughs> fan, and it might be surprising i, I think it 's surprising when I meet people. And they asked me like what are my favorite bands? And I'm like, Oh, this match with pumpkins, Muse, Soundgarden, all these like, you know, nineties grunge rock bands, and then Seal. <laughs> and they're always like, What? Seal? The Kiss from a Rose guy? And I'm like, Yep, that's him. He's amazing. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is. I just I just love him. I think that his music is just so I don't know. It just touches touches on something that I don't I can't really put my finger on sometimes, but he's just incredible. I'm a fan. I, I have the
1: greatest hits, but for some reason, I've never gone much past that. And it's interesting because I'm kind of reminded of what he does and some other people that I listen to more. Thinking of like Joss Stone, for instance, or Robert Palmer, people who have this soulful music. And for some reason, and and that harkens to other genres or or previous musical styles that they they kind of, Modernized, are, 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 are yeah yeah. Are, yeah it's a little derivative but not you know they they, they yeah kind it's of, like
0: it's like familiar but unique kind yeah, of thing yeah. yeah yeah
1: and uh so I, I put seal in that same sort of category but for some reason i i have the greatest hits and I, I listen to it fairly regularly but for some reason i've never been like i should go listen to the albums and see if there is even more that i like so I'm glad that we're doing this episode because it gave me a chance to listen to a Seal album from cover to cover, which I hadn't done before and seemed strange. But I, I really enjoyed this one. And I'm sure that the other ones, well, some of the other
2: ones,
1: as you'll talk about, <laughs> uh, um, are, are, are worth a listen.
2: Yeah, what I'm really trying to say. is i won't be afraid yet. if you say you're willing to close your eyes and maybe maybe see it through but don't make me wait
0: long. seal's birth name is henry samuel and he was born in 1963 in london his mother is Nigerian and his father is Afro-Brazilian, but Seal spent the majority of his life living with a foster family. Seal has very prominent scars on his face, which many people think could have been caused by burning. However, the scars are actually the result of a type of lupus that Seal contracted when he was young, just, just in case you know, people still think that the burning thing is, 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 is true. Seal had always been interested in music, but he didn't start playing in bands until he was already in his 20s. He drifted from a funk band to a blues band, and then eventually started delving into the electronic music scene of the late 80s. This wide-ranging musical experience would heavily influence his future sound. In 1989, Seal attended an illegal rave outside of London. There he met an electronica producer named Adamski, and the two exchanged information— Later that year, the two ran into each other again at a party, and Adamski asked Seal to write lyrics and sing on an instrumental track Adamski had written. That song ended up becoming Seal's breakthrough 1990 single, Killer. Technically, Killer wasn't a Seal song. It was an Adamski song featuring Seal on vocals, but the song was a runaway success in England and it launched Seal's career. At the time Killer came out, Seal was virtually penniless, living as a squatter. By the end of 1990, though, he had a solo record deal with ZTT Records and was in the middle of recording his first album with legendary producer and songwriter Trevor Horn. Most of the time here on Skipped on Shuffle, we don't talk too much about producers, but we're going to make an exception here. So Trevor Horn was in The Buggles, which had a huge hit in the late 70s with Video Killed the Radio Star, which probably most people have heard, and he would go on to produce major 80s and early 90s acts. His presence in the studio is sometimes referred to as, and this is a quote from somebody in the music industry, dominating, with him taking full control of the entire group, even going as far as playing their instruments himself. As such, the impact of Trevor Horn on Seal's career can't be overstated. The album that Seal and Trevor Horn created, which is simply titled Seal, landed in 1991. The album featured a re recorded version of Killer, as well as the worldwide smash single Crazy. Seal's debut album was a huge hit and earned multiple awards from around the world, including three Brit Awards. Seal toured the world in support of this first record, and then, two years later, went back into the studio with Trevor Horn again to make a follow-up. This second album features higher production quality than the first record and also features more songs written by Seal alone rather than with other songwriters. This is an important note that's going to come up later. The second record, which is also titled Seal, Featured a whopping six singles. One of those singles is the song that pretty much everyone in the world has heard at least once, which is Kiss from a Rose.
2: There used to be a grey and tower alone on the sea.
0: Interestingly, Seal's second album was nominated for a Grammy in 94 the year it came out, but it didn't win anything. Then, in 1996, after Kiss from a Rose was featured on the soundtrack to the 1995 film Batman Forever it became a monster success and seal ended up winning two grammys for the single record of the year and song of the year so that's got to be nice <laughs> it only counts if it's famous <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we could do a whole we could do a whole podcast about how much we hate the grammys but yeah there you go at this point seal is a household name around the world but not everything was going well with his career SEAL and producer Trevor Horn had a big falling out during the recording of his second record, mostly due to Horn's domination in the studio, and SEAL also decided to exit his contract with ZTT Records. Nevertheless, SEAL and Trevor Horn reconciled and created SEAL's third album, which actually has a title this time, Human Being. SEAL is the sole songwriter on the majority of the tracks, and he took much more control over the record than he had with the first two. The first and biggest single from this 1998 record is called Human Beings.
2: In my desperate need I
0: Unfortunately, this third record received scathing reviews and dismal sales. It's not quite clear why it didn't do as well as the previous two records, but it put a significant dent in his streak of success at the time. I have a theory that this record didn't do that well because of the co- the album art, and I know that sounds like it's weird to say, but it's actually kind of creepy. <laughs> I, I,
1: I had, as I mentioned, I only had the greatest hits, and so Scott was like, "You need to Google this," and I looked it up, and I was immediately just kind of roll back in my oh, I was like ah <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's it, there's it's just something about Seal being naked on the cover creeping along I mean it's fingers look oddly like long and i don't know i, I got this kind of like nosferatu yeah, sort of it's vibe like black
0: nosferatu yeah yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, and there's just something that i feel like i'd be like i don't know what this record is like and it's, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, yeah I, I i could see where that would be I I, I I was i was surprised yeah
0: it it definitely was alarming for and, and it would make me think i don't know what this this version of SEAL sounds like. Right. So it it could have a dramatic impact. Like if you think about like SEAL's uh, baseline audience is mostly, you know, uh, people who listen to the light rock radio stations or just, you know, they're not too experimental. These aren't the type of people that are also going out and buying the latest record from, you know, Portishead or whatever. Like they're not, they're not diving too deep into the musical world. So yeah, I could see like a suburban soccer mom running into the record store to buy the latest Seal record and seeing that cover and being like, I don't know if I want to buy this. <laughs> so I don't know. Like the album itself is good. And as a Seal fan, like there's a lot of things on the record that are good. But I don't know if it was just the record cover or the songs. If, like the fact that there wasn't a huge hit. But what, for whatever reason, Human Being didn't do that well. And it put a huge dent in Seal's career up until that point. After touring and promoting Human Being, Seal started production on his fourth record, which would have been called Togetherland. This album would have been a dr- drastic departure for Seal, as, as far as the sound goes, with more experimentation and a dance club vibe. It also wouldn't have been produced with Trevor Horn, the first record to not feature him. In fact, it was so different that Seal thought he should release it under a pseudonym to avoid tarnishing the Seal brand. However, Togetherland never saw the light of day. There never been any confirmation on what exactly happened, but either Seal, his label, or both simply refused to put the record out. We're going to touch a little bit more on this later when we talk about this next record coming up. After the failure of Togetherland, Seal regrouped with Trevor Horn to create a more traditional Seal record. In 2003, five years after Human Being and nearly 10 years after Seal has had a hit record of any kind, Seal released his fourth album, which was, once again, simply titled Seal. This album spawned a high-charting single called Love's Divine. And
2: all around me became stand. I need love love's divide please forgive me now i see that I've been blind give me love love is what I need to help me know my name
0: this fourth record also contains the track we're going to talk about today which is don't make me wait but we're going to get back to that in a bit. Four years after the fourth Seal record, he launched his fifth album, which is only the second to have a title, System. This album, which wasn't produced at all by Trevor Horn, tried to get back to the dance and electronic roots of his first album, to varying degrees of success. You can hear the dance sound on the album's one and only single, Amazing. Although Seal touted that System was his best record since his debut, it is actually the lowest-selling album of his career. It was released and quickly forgotten. With Seal's career in a serious downturn, he decided to quickly put together a covers album called Soul, which would see him singing Motown and Soul hits. This album was a huge success and reinvigorated his status as a singer, but not as a songwriter. In 2010, Seal released his sixth album, which was called Commitment. The album did better critically and commercially than System, but was quickly overshadowed by a more successful second album of soul hits simply called Soul 2. In 2015, Seal released his most recent album of original material, which is simply called Seven. Trevor Horn came back for this record, but the duo weren't able to capture the success of their previous collaborations as the album didn't fare well commercially or critically. Check out the lead single Every Time I'm With You from that record.
2: I could lose it Somehow
0: With yet another album of original material that didn't fare well, in 2017, Seal released a new covers album, this time called Standards, predictably featuring songs from the Great American Songbook. That album did well around the world. With Seal gravitating away from creating original music, he's now mostly known as just a singer. But let's go back to 2003 and talk about Seal's fourth record and the song Don't Make Me Wait and examine how Seal was once determined to keep his reputation as a songwriter instead of just a singer. we hope you're enjoying this episode of skipped on shuffle right about now. In most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep skipped on shuffle ad free. And the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon.
1: Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast.
2: Sounds like a sad song. Of mine every time we meet baby on the street, there we go. Always seem to fight, while we do, I'll never know. That's all I can take. Cause you ain't easy. Some can't relate hell. Well, that's life.
0: As we mentioned when we we're going over the history of seal. After the failure of Human Being, the album that he released after his huge hit second record, Seal was probably not feeling super confident about what he was doing. You know, he he the first record was a huge hit, the second record was an even bigger hit, and then Human Being not only wasn't like matching those two records, but it was actually weaker as far as sales and commercial reception. So, That's got to be jarring for somebody, you know, on the up and up coming, coming up in the music industry. So then he's like, we're going to, we're going to drastically change things around. He's going to stop working with Trevor Horn, which he'd been working on for his first three records. And he's going to make an album that's going to be a little bit more modern. He says he's going to incorporate some dance songs. He's going to do some more experimentation, kind of like reinvent himself in a way. And so he makes this album called Togetherland, which is a completed record, but no one has ever heard it because it never made it never made it out. It never was released. And like I said, we don't know. Like Seal has said that he felt that it wasn't up to his the the caliber of his previous records. But we've also heard rumors saying that the label actually told him like, this album sucks, like you can't release it. And then he thought about putting it out under a different name and whatever. but, this is a record that no one has ever heard before. There's only one song from the record that ever got a commercial release, which is called heaven. And it, the rest of the songs we've heard 30 second clips of on like an, on a, on a now defunct website so really no one has any total idea of what this record sounds like but for whatever reason it didn't make it out so then seal has to regroup himself again and decide like what am i going to do now like human beings was a failure together land was even more of a failure cuz it didn't even make it to release and now he's got to figure out how to like reinvigorate reinvigorate his career. So, when you think about it that way, this album that we're talking about today, the fourth record from Seal, uh just once again it's just called Seal that features the song Don't Make Me Wait. This is almost like a comeback record. This is a record where the artist has seen the other side of fame. The 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 fleeting Attitudes of fame, where he was huge, winning Grammys all over the place, super famous, and then within a matter of years, completely and forgotten. not having changed anything, not yet, not even changed anything. Just,
1: just, just, I was, I'm writing the songs like we used to. I'm working yeah. with the same producer I've been, and something isn't working.
0: Something isn't working anymore, and now I have to figure out what to do. So. He tried to reinvent himself you know, with this Togetherland album. He tried to do something drastically different, and uh, that didn't work. So now what he's deciding to do, like, like I said, this is multiple years after his, his, his previous hit, hit record. He's trying to get back to the roots. So that brings us to this fourth record, which I think is, is a return to form for him. While still being different enough that it gives you an idea that he has a much more like a, a, a much more firm grip on what he wants to do. Right off the bat
1: with this album, the lead single and opening track to the record is "Get It Together," which immediately for me recalls Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On." Just in terms of you, you hear some people talking at like a party, and then the song starts and that kind of continues through the record in terms of this Motown vibe that Seal was obviously going for in these songs.
0: That Motown vibe, I feel, it is, is all over this track that we're talking about today, Don't Make Me Wait. I mean, I I don't know. I I feel like if, if I played this song for someone, they would immediately recognize Seal's voice because he has a very recognizable singing voice, so they would know that it isn't a song by marvin Gaye, or or you know the, the the motown artists of of yesteryear but i feel like a lot of people would think that this is like some motown song that they've never heard before
1: when i when i first put this song on i was like oh this is like a sam cook or an otis redding song i immediately thought of i've been loving you too long the, the famous otis redding track and i was surprised when i was like oh no this this isn't a cover
0: yeah this is <laughs> Once again, it reminds me of, of what you said earlier where it's like, you know, it's, it's there, got there, that familiar feeling, but it's it's different. It's modernized in a certain capacity. But it,
1: it, it builds similar to, to some other tracks. That it's just really interesting how, how it's constructed because it starts with seal singing, a piano, then some keyboard comes in, then some strings come in. And then after the chorus, when the next verse starts, drums come It's this cool build that happens that is reminiscent of some of those powerfully emotional uh ballady motown tracks uh yeah we we had also talked a little bit about how it reminds us of try a little tenderness and just so and if, if you're familiar with with any of that stuff you'll immediately hear that on the Get song every
2: time it amazes me to say, yeah, I've been so old trying to find my way, yeah, yeah, closer to you, to love divine
0: is what I am So if you think about Motown and you think about the the era of, of all these artists that we're talking about, you, you're, you're, you're talking about a, a style style. Of music and a part of history of a part of pop music history where these songs were and we we touch on this a lot in our Marvin Gaye episode these songs are almost like manufactured like they're deliberately constructed to be as appealing as possible like that's that was their you know if you you want to put on like ain't nothing like the real thing you know by Marvin Gaye or whatever you're gonna
1: we, be we like, are, wow. we,
0: yeah, we are writing hits. Yeah. We're a label that, we're, that we're, writes we're, hits yeah. that everybody loves. That's that's what this is all about. And and it's it's interesting that there's a very Motown-esque song. Well well, I guess a few very Motown-esque songs on this record, including this one, that that kind of have that vibe. Because once again, SEAL has had. Uh, years of a failure. Now he's had two records, not do well. One do so, so badly that it didn't even get launched. And it's been almost a decade since he had his big hit with 1994, uh, the second record, and and Kiss from a Rose. So it's been it's it's been so long since he's really had success that it, it, you can't help but feel that he's deliberately trying to say, I need to make a an accessible, you know, easily listenable fun immediately engrossing record to get that back and i think that he achieves that here on this fourth record uh, you know unfortunately the album didn't sell as well as his first two it still sold better than human being and still spawned you know multiple hits that 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 you know are played on the radio and everything like that and did well and his tour for this record also did really well so clearly this 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 achieved his goal of getting him back in the spotlight but it it is interesting to think that like i don't know it's almost it's almost like he sold out a little bit. Like it's almost like he said, "I'm going to deviate from the the path that I was on of creating original sounding, interesting music that that's a hybrid of multiple genres including dance music, electronic music, acoustic oriented music, rock music, all these different sounds on his first two records." And and then he's like, eh, I'm just going to make this like very easily accessible pop." Motown-esque record to kind of get my mojo back. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it is kind of like, I don't know, kind of jarring in a way when you look at his whole career.
1: Well, as you mentioned, it's getting getting known as, do you want to be known as a singer-songwriter or do you want to be known as just a singer? And it's him trying to do both. And it kind of, when when you look at the rest of his career, kind of goes to show I'm not so much caring about writing my own material anymore. And I kind of have this other thing to fall back on, which maybe does just for financial reasons is just like, I can, you know, do a covers album. It'll do really well. People, people notice it'll get me back on the radio. I can do a pretty successful tour and then I can try to get back to writing, which he still seems to be committed to. But when you look at kind of the last few albums, it's like album of original material, album of covers, album of original material album of covers (laughs) and and it's kind of your you you can't help but sort of feel like there's some yeah selling out cash grab quality to making that decision where it's just like if if you really wanted to do this experimental thing and be really weird even if your record company had shut it down you still think that if you were confident about it, maybe would maybe a track or two would have leaked. Right. And you would have been like, you know, I'll, I'll put out a couple of the the good ones and people hear it and it'll become maybe kind of an underground thing and and get some notice. I, I feel like it's pretty telling that no one has heard any of these songs from beginning to end. Right. Ex- except for the, you know, one that, that, one track, that yeah, they yeah. Yeah, passed over to a soundtrack. And, and I think that kind of makes me think that yeah he's not really 100 percent behind what he's doing i mean i and, and i mean people do that they're, they're we're not criticizing that in, no in, no in, definitely in, as, not. As, but it, it does kind of just have that lingering feeling when you put on this record that like are are you are you pandering to me like <laughs> a little bit like i i you know i'm enjoying the music and i love your voice and you know i i the album is insanely enjoyable to listen to yeah but yeah you, you can't help but i think like have that feeling if you kind of know the, the the history of everything that's happened what
2: yeah what i'm really trying to say yeah, is love won't deny me because every day is like a the
1: The lyrics to the song don't make me wait aren't too complex it's a pretty straightforward we're in love but we fight a lot but i know i'm hopeful things will work out in the end and i'm don't make me wait, but I'm going to wait for you (laughs) kind of, kind of thing. And it's interesting. We, we talked about the Motown thing and he even invokes that in the lyrics at the end of the first verse, there's a line every time we fuss and fight, which is if, if you're familiar with the famous song, if you don't know me by now by Harold Melvin. So he's even in, in the lyrics incorporating directly Lyrics that are in other Motown songs,
0: right? And then later on in the song, he actually harkens back to one of his own songs on the same record by mentioning the words "Love Divine," which is you know the the, the name of the first single. On the uh, the record. So really, and this is something that once again, we saw from Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye did the same thing on, on, you know, what's going on and, and let's get it on. And a lot of his records, he, he harkens back to things that he had done before. And once again, in our Marvin Gaye episode, we cover a lot of this stuff. So it, it's impossible not to tell fr- from the lyrics, from the sound, from the delivery, from the orchestration that comes into, like this is so very clearly a song written in the style of a Motown hit and crammed onto this record of, of seal trying to like get his, his groove back, you know, to put it a certain way. And, and then knowing now that in a number of years, he's going to release not one, but two records covering these soul hits. It's impossible to, 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 to not speculate that he very deliberately, you know, co co-wrote this track to kind of like get that vibe and, and appeal to that, to that mass market audience that, that so attaches to these Motown songs that, you know, like everybody loves. Like, I mean, is there anybody on this plane who doesn't love Motown songs? You know, like <laughs> you put on my girl, I don't care what music you listen to. Everybody's like, Oh, my girl, I
1: love this song. <laughs> and I mentioned earlier, sounding like I've been loving you too long, the Otis writing song, which he actually covers yeah. on, on that. So, so clearly, I mean, these it's, it has to be in his mind yeah. as he's, as he's doing this. So, yeah. And, and again, there's,
0: there's nothing wrong with it because yeah. it, it makes it a great song. Yeah, no, this is a great, great song on a great album. It, 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 y- even if you didn't know any of this stuff, if you just heard the song and and completely devoid of the history and what Seal is going through at this moment, trying to get his career back on track, you would just say like, oh, wow, this is a great song. And it's unfortunate that it's a it's a it's unfortunate that it's a skipped on shuffle song. It's unfortunate that we are talking about this song and not a lot of people have heard it because as a Seal fan, like like I said at the top of the episode, I am a huge, huge Seal fan. As a Seal fan, this is one of my favorite songs he's ever done, and it's unfortunate that you know most people when they think of Seal, they think of "Kiss from a Rose." Obviously, they might think of "Crazy," they might think of "Don't Cry," a couple of other his big hits or whatever, but no one thinks about this song, and it's unfortunate because this is such a. To me, it's such an iconic Seal track because of its connection, not only to his own music, but also like we're talking like that old school Motown thing. And it's interesting. uh, We were talking as we were preparing for this episode, we talked a lot about Marvin Gaye and how Seals using this album to kind of transition from being a songwriter to becoming just a singer. You know, and if we think about this song as kind of like the test, maybe like the dipping the toe in the water, like if I do Motown stuff that sounds Motowny, will people get that? You know, if we look at it as that, we see it as like a turning point for Seal to like become more of a singer and less of a songwriter. And in, that's kind of like the reverse situation is what we saw with Marvin Gaye, where,
1: you know, he's being, he's being handed songs and it's like, you're going to sing this and here are the hits we wrote for you and... Marvin Gaye is just like I'm. I'm. I want to write my own material and do what I want, and I want to be known as a songwriter. So yeah, we we kind of have the the reverse happening here,
0: right? Where Seal's like, okay, like I started out with as being a songwriter. You know, he either wrote or co-wrote. All the songs from his previous bunch of records. And on this, on this record, he still is the co-writer or 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 solo songwriter on a few of them uh for, for everything. But but it's very clear, like the first record, he doesn't really have any solo writing credits. Second record, about half the record is him solo record. Human being, he's I think three-quarters of or maybe even four-fifths of the songs on the record are his. And then in this record, it goes right back to him being the co-songwriter with with you know with other songwriters on each track. So Once again, very clearly that he's very deliberately trying to steer his career in a certain direction. And this song kind of represents, in a way, like, that turning point. And it could be good. It could be bad. Like, I don't know. Like, there are probably people listening to this podcast who maybe really appreciate These cover albums, the soul albums and the standards albums that Seal puts out. Maybe they really enjoy those because they, you know, they hearken back to a simpler time or they, you know, they they know. It's like I get to hear a singer I love singing other songs that they love and and that I do. So, you know, those people win. And maybe the people like me who are much more into Seal as an all around artist are a little bit disappointed, but That can't be said about this song. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of Seal's best songs. And it's 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 if if I have to if I have to understand that Seal is deviating away from his, you know, from his status as a singer-songwriter to becoming just a singer, and this song represents, in a way, like kind of that linchpin, I'm okay with that because at least I got this song, which is, you know, totally incredible as far as I'm concerned.
2: You ain't easy. well, that's love.
1: I had the introduction to Seal that most people had was through the Batman Forever soundtrack and Hearing Kiss from a Rose, which was inescapable at that time. And as I said, I'm 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 a fan, but for some reason I've only been a greatest hits fan, and I don't know why. And and mentioning all these covers, I, I should also just kind of throw out two other covers out there of Jimi Hendrix songs, because he doesn't only do Motown stuff. I mean he sticks to that on the the Soul albums. For the most part. But he also does some cool Hendrix covers that are worth checking out. Uh, he does Hey Joe, which he played at his MTV Unplugged performance and does at some other live shows. And he also did Manic Depression, which he does with British guitarist Jeff Beck that's on a Hendrix tribute album. So those are those are two worth, worth checking out. I think the most I usually listen to Seal is... On that greatest hits record, they had a deluxe edition, and the second disc of it was basically acoustic versions of a lot of the hits, and I love that. I it I, is great. It, it is so calm and soothing, and just an insanely good listen from beginning to end. That a lot of afternoons when I'm working, I, I throw on music at work, and this is kind of my my afternoon. <laughs> my afternoon calm is like putting putting on this this. Sweet soulful acoustic album of all these great hits that he's had over the years. I mean, this is this is kind of the earlier period of Seal. I can't remember what it's. Uh, it, the, it covers the, the
0: greatest hits, covers from the first record until this record that we're talking about today. Yeah, yep. about. so
1: yeah, so the big hits from this one are on there, and I don't know. I as, as I said, I'm not sure what the reason is why I've never delved into listening to more Seal for how many times I've probably listened to <laughs> yeah to, to the you know greatest hits um, but you know if you can if you can find that I really recommend it the version of uh, color that that's on there yep is just I don't know and that's, those, that's, it,
0: that's from human being it, yeah, yeah. That,
1: so the album that yeah the album that no one likes this <laughs> yeah there's a version uh, an acoustic version of that song on this that I just can never seem to get enough of.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's a great collection. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's released a couple of like compilation albums, greatest hits since then. So it may be, it, you're right, it might actually be difficult to get that collection with the- Yeah, because that person. was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like a while ago. Yeah, but definitely, definitely worth checking out for sure. As I stated at the top of the episode, I'm a huge Seal fan. I've been a huge Seal fan since, <sighs> I think since- I, I mean I I also heard Kiss from a Rose and and that was like my almost like a reintroduction to Seal because I had fallen in love with the song Crazy I thought Crazy was such a great great song so when that record came out I I bought the record and I enjoyed it the record is 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 a little it's a little weird it's 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 almost it's almost too artsy for its own good like when you think of Seal the last thing you think of is artsy but the record the record is it's got some experimentational stuff on it that, that is interesting and different. So it's, it's, it's pretty dense. It's not something that you can just put on and immediately get the first time you listen to it. But by the time Kiss from a Rose came out, I said, I should check out that, that previous record and really listen to it. And then I re-listened to it, you know, with, with a more, I don't know, I guess a broader mind or whatever and loved it. And I, I mean, I don't know, I haven't ranked, you know, my favorite records in years. So I have no idea where I would put it, but it would definitely be in the top 50. Like it's one of my favorite records of all time. And so I just loved, Love seal from the beginning. And I also, I loved human being. I don't, I still, to this day, don't understand why that record wasn't big. Like you mentioned that song color. Great song. There's another song on there called, just like you said, love that song. One of my favorites. So it's, it's, it's really good. And this album is really good too. And it's only after this album that he starts not being so good. like, even me as a huge Seal fan, I will admit that his sixth and seventh record and System, they're not that great. There's some gems on there. There's some some highlights that you can point to and be like, oh, that was good, but but overall, not so much. But the the, the, the personal connection that I have for this song in particular, Don't Make Me Wait, uh, On after Seal released this fourth record, he did a big tour because like we've mentioned, it was like his comeback. So as soon as the record came out, he was touring all over the place to try and drum up publicity for, for this record. And I finally got to see him uh at this relatively small club. I saw him at the Strand in Providence. I mean, wow. that's like a it's like a <laughs> it's like a club. It's like a standing room only club, probably fits maybe I don't know, thousand people, maybe fifteen hundred tops. It's not a big venue at all. But I saw him there on that fourth record tour that to give you an idea of how you know where he was where he and, was yeah. at that point in time. I got tickets easily to see him at the strand in Providence. And he, you know, he played a lot of the songs from, from this new record. He played a lot of his, his hits from the first two records. And he only played like maybe two songs from, from Human Being. And then he played a couple covers. He did play Hey Joe at, the record, cool. at, the, at that show. But, uh, but that show, he played this song. He played Don't Make Me Wait. And it was, not only was it the highlight of the show, but it was one of those highlights that I'll always remember from seeing live concerts. It was just such a powerful performance. You could just tell, you could tell that Seal loves this song. At least he did then. I don't know what he thinks about it now. I I don't know if he even plays it anymore. But at that point, you could tell that he was super, super proud of this song. And he put all of his weight behind it when he sang it. And then uh, to commemorate this tour, they released an album, a live record, which was uh, the first disc was a CD with, with the concert on it. And then the second disc was a DVD with the full concert on it. They trimmed some of the songs from the concert to make it fit onto one single CD. And they cut this song. Don't make me wait. And I was so, so angry. I can't tell you how angry I was that they cut this track because it was the highlight of the show. And when I watched the DVD, this it's, it's called live in Paris and you know, it's a live, the live DVD. And when I watch the DVD and I see him play this song, it's just mesmerizing. And then it's not on the disc and it, and it it upset me so much. I, I can't tell you how much it upset me. So I feel like this direct connection to this song because I saw him play it live, and because it's such a fabulous, you know, Motown, you know, esque thing that calls back to to that time period, which, as we mentioned in our Marvin Gaye episode, you know, we both just love so much, and there's you know so much great stuff happening. So I, I, I just I feel like this is one of those songs that that could change somebody's mind about Seal. I know that Seal has this reputation as kind of like a a mom guy, you know, the thing that moms like to play in the minivan is they're dropping their kids off to the soccer game. I know that seal has that reputation, but he doesn't, there's more to him than that. And I feel like somebody could listen to this song and it could invigorate them to be like, Oh, like, wow, like there's, there's a lot more going on here than there is in, you know, crazy or kiss from Rose or any of the other hits that he's, you know, that, that most people just know off the top of their head. And and if if somebody can hear that, if somebody hears this song and decides to go a little deeper, then then that'll be a win win for me. I'm because I'm, I feel like Seal needs needs his his credibility as a songwriter and his credibility as an artist needs to be preserved because he's you know as much as I love him, he's not doing a good job. He's not doing a good job of preserving that by being this you know crooner for hire almost, I guess.
1: Just wait until standards two oh, God, comes out. Yeah, and yeah,
0: totally. It's 2019. I'm surprised we haven't got a Christmas record. That's what I'm waiting for next is, you know, a very seal Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be like, oh, you know, great. Just another, another, another nail in the coffin kind of thing for, for his career as as a pure songwriting artist rather than just this, this gun for hire. So I, I, I implore you to, to check out, don't make me wait. And I implore you to check out his first four records and, and get into them because there's so much going on that is so wonderful. And like I said, he's one of my favorites. And you know, if you've listened to skipped on shuffle and if we've steered you, steered you right in the past, I guarantee you, I'm steer, I'm steering you right with this one. So definitely give it a listen.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Please visit our website at www.skippedonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule.
0: We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skippedonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.